we, we struggle with God sometimes, don't we? If we could be transparent. We feel like we don't really know him sometimes. Or sometimes we feel like we got him pegged and oh, I got God all figured out. Look what the prophet Isaiah said. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and those whose deeds are done in the dark places. And say, who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? And that, uh, that what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. God's big and he is so far beyond us. 45, chapter 45, gather yourselves and come. Come together, you survivors of the nations. Those who have no knowledge who carry around their wooden idol and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and present your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this long ago? Who has long since declared, is it not the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there's no other. I love that language. Uh, it's actually law court. Uh, uh, David, it's law court language. And you're facing your bar real soon. Uh, have you had it yet? Coming up? Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. We need to pray for this dude. He's, he's, um, he's taken his bar. Uh, he's finished his studies as a lawyer. This is legal language, actually, in Hebrew, David. And it means, come on, present your case. You. You know, you, you, come on, let's all gather, gather all the attorneys together and let's argue before God what, what the real situation is. It's really fascinating. Come, let us reason together. Let's, let's talk about this thing. And God says, hey, I'm Savior. Uh, a comment about C.S. Lewis. Uh, anybody know what he considered the greatest sin? Anybody on C.S. Lewis? Pride. What's that? Pride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at this. This is really, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. In God, you come up against something which in every respect is immeasurably superior to you. Everything. Unless you know God is that and therefore know yourself as nothing by comparison. You do not know God at all. You miss him. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on the things and the people. But a man who knows God looks up. And that's why Paul writes in Colossians, set your mind on things above. Yeah, Lewis is on to something. The belief that you don't need God would be the greatest sin of all. So, all right, education. Let's review from last Sunday. I want to pray and ask God's favor on this now. Lord, I love you and I thank you for each person that's here. Thank you that you create within us clean hearts, O oh God. And you renew a right spirit in us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a photo, by the way, of, um, of education right now, currently in Afghanistan. And the Afghan boys are required to recite from memory portions of uh, the Islamic book, the Quran, and various things, the alphabet, all those things, which is absolutely in keeping with traditional education throughout history. The main idea I want to introduce to you is that if you're educated, you begin to act like your teacher. It's a really simple idea. If you're educated, you act like your teacher. 
If you're a disciple of Moses, you would talk like and act like Moses or the key leaders. Um, the Sadducees in Hebrew, Sadukim, these guys were so strict. They said, you only follow Moses. That's it. Now, the Pharisees said, you follow Moses and all the oral tradition of all the rabbis. The Sadukim said, no, 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 no. They were extremely strict. Very, very strict. And they're the guys that most likely coordinated with Pilate and uh, Pontius Pilate and the Pharisees to have Jesus executed. Super strict. So if you're a disciple of Moses, you can act like him. All right, which leads to this right here. You ready? Therefore, if we say that we follow Jesus as his disciple, we're going to memorize the words of Jesus. We're going to quote the words of Jesus, the content. And we're going to replicate his actions. We're going to do the kind of stuff that he would do. Simply put, if we follow Jesus, we say what he would say, do what he would do with his heart motives. And I mean it to the best of our ability with his heart motives. Yeah. Because if we say what he would say and if we do what he would do, we're actually proving ourselves to be his followers. Matthew 7. If anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, he's like a man, a wise man, wise woman, who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Okay, I want to test your knowledge. Ready? We're going we're gonna to apply your skill sets right now uh, on maturing in Christ's esteem. Okay? Here we go. Mark chapter 1. By the way, Mark is the first gospel written. Okay? So when you look at Mark 1, uh, you're looking at the first recorded words of Jesus. And he says this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Right? There's your one sentence sermon. As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will have you become fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. All right, here we go. We got a test case. We claim to be followers of Jesus. We say that, that we uh, are Christians. What are we going to do with that text? If we're going to devote ourselves to the words of Jesus, how do we pull that out of the first century world into our world today? How do we do that? you to think about it. Now remember, uh, I, want you to, I want you to speak with wisdom. Questions, please. Questions are wonderful. Ask away. What do you think? How are we going to live this out? Time is fulfilled. Repent, believe. Follow me and you'll become fishers of people. I'll make that happen. And they left their nets and followed him. What does discipleship in Christ's esteem, have to do with Mark 1. Janice. When I think of becoming fishers of people, if you're fishing, you're trying to catch something. So if you are going to follow Jesus, he wants us to be 
following him in a manner that we will catch the eye of people and the hearts of people that don't know him. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good, Janice. Well, to follow that, when we fish, we cast, right? We don't know if we're going to get a nibble or anything like that. So if we live as Christ calls us to live, then what we're doing is casting. And when we get a bite, we need to jerk that off and take advantage of that and, and let God bring those people whose hearts he's already prepared to hear the gospel and if we do that, we have more opportunities than we could ever imagine. Gotcha. That is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Tony? Sometimes we tend to, uh, we got to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Sometimes in the process of catching people, we think ourselves are doing it. And, 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 and we got to continually to take on the mind of Christ and the ways of Christ. Sometimes we can get caught up in how we want to do it and think we are doing it. We got to step up and let Christ's mind take over our mind yes. so we can be able to be real catchers of people. We can't yes. say, I'm doing this or patting ourselves on the back. We got to be able to humble ourselves on the mighty hand of God and let Christ arise in us. So That's so good. So yeah. people can know that this is Jesus inside of me. Yeah, not us, but Jesus. That's so good, Tony. I learned years ago, I know you're going to relate to this. The carrot you dangle, what, what you're going to win them with is what you win them to. <laughs> so now you're in the carrot dangling business and now that gets exhausting because it's one event after the other and you got to make it better than the last event and it goes crazy. So Gabe? I'm bringing forth here with a, a military term that comes up to me of leading by example. Yes, yes. That's good. Very, very good. Yeah. Someone else on... Something I think to remember. Yes. One of our primary roles in that is we're the worm on the hook. Ah, okay. okay, okay. Our character, our attitudes. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're what should, the fish aren't attracted to a line with a hook on it. They're attracted to what's on the hook. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's the verse about being ready to defend the hope that is within us. Yes, Peter so said that. And it's not, you know, not the, not the, all the answers that we have, not, you know. The encyclopedia. Not, not our defensiveness about things, our yeah. hope. Yeah. So when we're facing bad things in our life, but we still have hope. Yes, When yes. we're facing various trials and tribulations, but we still have hope. That's attractive. Very much so. And that becomes something that people are going to go, oh, I want to. I want to nibble on that. Yes, that's so good. Happy people are attractive people, aren't they? And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You know, it's so good. Someone else, this text, and what does it have to do with Christ esteem? What do you think? And remember, this is all about becoming a follower of Jesus. Yes, Anna. I think something a lot of us forget is that when you meet someone that doesn't know God, they're not going to look like they know God. And it's hard to be around people sometimes that don't necessarily agree with our opinions on everything or have a lot to challenge and have a lot of questions because sometimes we don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. Especially like me, like I grew up in the church, different church, Catholic church. Right, but right. like I never questioned a lot of the things that a lot of people are questioning. And 
um, I never like had the doubt of if there was a God. Yes. But there's yes. going to be people that we're drawn to and that come into our lives that do have those questions. And even if you don't know the answer, just sitting with them and like, that's a good question. I mean, I've never thought about it because I've never doubted it. Yeah. But that doesn't make the question any less valid just because we know we have an answer. Yeah, that is so good. So let me push you. You've got to go a little deeper. You ready? Uh, Psalm 44, 21 says, Lord, you know the secrets of our hearts, the deep things. Psalm 139, 3, Lord, you scrutinize my ways. You know everything about me. There's nothing hidden from your eyes. Nothing hidden. Okay. Watch this. We are, he's calling us to a relationship with him that is attractive, right? We're going to, he's going to show us how to win people to God's kingdom. And look what it says about Andrew. Look what it says about these guys, Simon and Andrew. He said, follow me. There's your command. And I will create within you a ministry that draws people to my kingdom. Verse 18, and immediately... They left their nets and followed him. What does leaving the nets and following Jesus have to do with self-esteem? Their main source of provision, mm-hmm. the way that they made their income, their living, which was mm-hmm. their identity, who they were, yeah. um, being fishermen, and yeah. the total uh, responsibility on Christ to fulfill what he says he yeah. Is it logical to drop your nets and follow him? No, but they changed their identity from their work and placed their identity in Yeah, that's good. They changed their identity. You nailed it. Do you guys have any idea what it would cost to buy a boat or have one built that could cause it, that would result in a sustainable job in catching fish? I mean, that's a rich man's blessing. Okay. Unless there was one that you inherited <laughs> from your dad or grandpa, etc. And if you did, and by the way, you know how difficult it is to make nets? Okay? To walk away from that culturally is profound. Very, very profound. They left their nets and they followed him. So if you want to get your head and your heart around Christ's esteem, and what it means to enter into how Jesus saw himself. You have to understand something. It begins with dropping the nets and following him. Okay. Yes. Don't negotiate, don't rationalize, don't come up with a contingency. Yeah. Okay, so here's a really pointed question. What are you holding? What is it in your hands that's keeping you from being a follower of Jesus? (laughs) Now, let me be specific. You can be a believer in Jesus. You can be born again, and yet you can still be holding on to things that are holding you back, 
from truly living out your faith. Right? Okay. So maybe some of us need to drop the nets of our pride. Like C.S. Lewis was saying, Tony, yeah. Our pride and thinking it's about us and our personalities or something. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here, believe it or not, who struggles with control. <laughs> they have control issues, as they say. And those are your nets. And you got your nets. And as long as you got a good grip on your, let, on your nets and you're in control, things are manageable. We're going to make it through the day with a happy heart now, aren't we? Yeah. But when things start to go sideways and we lose control, boy, we can become really, really unhappy people real fast. So one of the nets that we can hold on to is our need to be in control. We're in the driver's seat. And that's one thing we're not willing to let go of. Maybe some of us need to let go of our our identity. Either you said changing identities of our online identities. Like we're living inside some idyllic image on Instagram or something and and we have this false sense of who we are because we have an online persona the virtual self and then we have our physical self and the two are very very different we need to drop the net of this artificial presentation of who we are you know I um, yes Right, right. John's gospel. That they left it to follow him. They kind of walked away from not just their nets and their business. They walked away from who knows what that day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, I think on the chosen, the scene uh, in John's gospel where Jesus says, "Hey guys, I know you're worn out. You've been fishing all night. Cast over. It's a great scene, and I think they really do a good job at that one. So, um, maybe uh, this is a tough one, right? Maybe uh, we need to drop the nets of fear, fear, fear of rejection, uh, fear of shame, uh, fear that we have such a damaged view of self, or that our history, our history is so scarred and pocked with regrets that we lose hope. Maybe that's something we need to drop. Yeah. By the way, can I just say as an aside, we do a terrible job being our own saviors. You know that? Trying to guilt yourself into some pathetic state as though the blood of Jesus isn't enough to forgive you. You got to feel bad. I mean, really bad. Oh, no, no, no. Worser than that. You know, grind in the most pathetic state. So bad that hell would be a first class up first class upgrade. That's how bad you are, you know. No, that's that's really messed up language. 
We're trying to be a self-savior. We can't be that. What God says is clean is clean. And we don't have to live in an unclean, dirty past. We don't have to do that. Maybe some of us need to, to drop the nets of uh, alcohol and drugs that nobody knows about. Nobody knows about it, our little addictions. Maybe we need to drop the nets of porn. Maybe we need to drop the nets of greed. There's lots of stuff that can get in the way and do tremendous damage to what it means to follow Jesus. We will not mature in Christ's esteem if we keep tripping up in our own self-esteem. It, it, it's not going to work. You've you got to do one or the other. Linda. I just noticed one thing they haven't talked about that they walked away from was the way to make a living. Oh, yeah. That's, yes. Yes. Yeah. And we would almost shame that, wouldn't we? You irresponsible man. Walking away from taking care of your wife and kids? Ha, who would do that? You know? Yes, sir. My... I would do that. And I did do that. <laughs> now, Angela, where are you? <laughs> he, he means it in a nice way. I mean, he, he really does. It's a nice kind of abandonment. Uh, this was like five, six, seven, seven, eight years ago, I think. And I just knew that the Lord was leading me to lead my job. And that may have come about from a nervous breakdown, but let's leave that aside. Um, but I didn't have a job. And as a matter of fact, my goal was to take a two-month sabbatical from trying to look for a job or, or anything uh, with the goal being just to take the time off and seek after God. Yeah. Uh, and this was, it literally started November 1st and would have gone through the end of the year. Funny thing about this, the very next day, a business that Angela and I were looking at and had talked about purchasing came up for sale. But I had taken the two months, so I had to say no. And by the end of that two months, we didn't want to buy it anymore. Yeah, yeah. But you proved something, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I had a lot of people saying, you're crazy, even my boss. <laughs> like, so how are you going to feed your family? Yeah, yeah. Just let God take care of it. Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, it's a big deal when they drop their nets. So, and we could go on, you know, there are dozens of metaphors we could use for sin habits and ways that we hold on to the nets and that keep us from following Jesus. I, I, want, I want to encourage you, though, in this. When you read further in Matthew's gospel in Matthew 11, the people who do drop the nets and, and lose control, lose self-control and take on Christ control. Matthew says this. Jesus says, come to me. Come here. Come here. All you who are weary and laden. Come here. You're going to find rest. Take my yoke upon you. Do it my way, is what he's saying. Do it my way. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This rhetorical, you don't have to answer this one, but anybody here tired of holding their own nets? <laughs> Anybody here worn out trying to do it your way? Looking for, maybe it's the, the, the net of perfection. And then you'll be happy. Ah, it's perfect. Now we're happy. Uh, no, no. If, if that's the case, you're exhausted. There's nothing perfect. So, 
I'm going to ask you a hard one. And I want you to think and I want you to speak with clarity. What's it going to take for you, for me, to let go of the nets that are, that's holding us back from really following Jesus? What's, what's got to click? What's got to happen? What do you think? How would you answer that? What do you think, Gabe? Uh, for me, it's feeling like I've accomplished something that looks like Okay. Okay, a goal, some evidence. I like that. That's good. Somebody else, what's got to click? Michelle. Yeah, they, they had heard something about it. Yeah, you, you would think so. That's good. Yeah, get the facts straight. It really helps. Uh, Jenna. with you eating. Remind me of John 14, where uh, Philip, in Jesus' amazing youth group, says, look, can you show us the Father, please? Please? And, and we'll quit bugging you with our questions. And Jesus says, Philip, I've been with you this long, and you don't know. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he says, I am the way the truth and the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Even if we could just understand that's who he really is. I mean, that's not psychobabble. He really is the way, the truth, the life. Then we can trust him. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, uh, if you really do have the esteem of Christ and you really are his follower, you memorize his words so that you say the things that he would say because you got them on file up here. And you do the things that he would do. Um, what Lisa and I, we uh, snuck away to Eureka Springs, had a great time in, in Christchurch. Thank you for being supportive of all that. While we're up there, you know, Lisa and I are together, and I open up the scriptures and you know, babe, we, we really got to get this in our hearts. And I said, I want you to pick a chapter, Matthew 5, 6, or 7, you pick one. She goes, Chapter 7. I go, okay. And we memorized verse 1 together. It's not long. 
do not judge so that you will not be judged. Okay. They had to memorize it in Greek because I'm just so smart and it makes me feel good about things. Ah, judge. And so I memorized it and I, and, I'm, and I keep saying to myself, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Have you been to Eureka Springs lately? There's a lot of stuff to judge up there. Okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. So don't judge, don't judge, so you don't be judged. Do you know what? I am judgmental. Memorizing the words of Jesus exposed something in me. Tony, I've got pride issues, dude. I mean, judgmental. It brought out something deep, deep inside of me. A net that I hold on to. Judgmentalism. Gotta be right. Right? We all have our issues, right? Cheney. Cheney, that is brilliant. Let me develop this. This is critically important. Uh, this savior reflex that we have inside of us, you know, and yet we're supposed to be humble and broken before God. It's like, I'm so bad, I can't even be good. I can't even be good at being bad. You know, I'm so messed up. I can't be good at being bad. And we, we get into this stuff that we're, we become our own worst enemy. We don't accept ourselves. We fight ourselves. And when that happens, Satan's laughing in the corner. He's got us beat. Because we're, we're so caught up in our own world. We become, we become like the, the crazy guy from Gadara, the Gadarene demoniac. You know, Jesus hits the shoreline. The guy's naked, scarred, bleeding. He hangs out among the tombs. If you're a good Jew, you don't do that. They try to bind him with shackles and irons, and he breaks them, and he gouges himself. I mean, this guy, talk about, you know, SI, active, all this junk and parasuicidal stuff. He's one messed up dude. Jesus comes up to him and says, what's your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. We are many. And we get so caught up in the junk inside our heads that we miss the grace of God because we're so bent on Cleaning up before we take the bath. And when we do that, grace is no longer grace because you're approaching God by law. God says, no, I do the cleaning up. You just come to me. You come to me. Thank you. You just spoke for all of us. Thank you very, very much. The action word here is follow. Yeah. And it, and it required, I mean, they had to walk up mountains and hills and you mean it wasn't a theory? Wasn't a metaphor? No, no. The action point is to follow. It, it required effort, and the effort to 
follow who are you following he's to follow me and then it's his point to make you a fisher of men yeah if you know if you have a kind of compact bible you look across the page in mark one you've got matthew 28 and what how does it end yeah. Well, disciples of all nations. Yeah. I am with you always. Always. So they've got to the point there where, okay, we know you now. So the, I think the point of this is to learn to follow requires effort, which is what you were talking about. And, you know, if we want, if we want to get guilty with ourselves, look at your little FaceTime app on your phone that measures how much time you look at your phone. Now you've gone too far, buddy boy. And, and look at, you know, measure how much time you look in your Bible. <laughs> I'm in the Bible app. I'm in the Bible app. Yep, yep. Exactly. It requires effort, you know. Yeah. Just, you know, becoming a disciple maker means becoming a disciple, which means learning from the teacher. Yes. So that we begin to talk like and act like and Jesus. Like. And think like. And yes. Like. And that was a, he wants us to trust him to do these things. Yeah. And that's just trust me and all this other stuff will happen. Just trust me. But it's hard the difficult thing is not trusting ourselves or every other little thing that's all around us. Yeah. Our day-to-day activities want us to trust Him. Yes, yes. You know, Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount by saying, okay, here's the tie-off, here's the clincher, the big haymaker. There's two kinds of people. Those who hear what I say and act upon it, right? And those who don't. And the same storm hits both kinds of people. And the people who hear the words of Jesus and don't act on them, their lives are destroyed. The house collapses. But it's the people who listen and act on it, who drop the nets and follow, are the ones who can handle the storms of life. So, all right. So how about this? There comes a point in which you're going to say, what's more important than that that I have in my hands or Jesus? What's more important? And if we are true followers of Jesus, then we're going to drop the nets, whatever that thing is um, that, that's, that's keeping us from being a follower. We're going, to, we're going to let it go. And we're going to actually enter into how Jesus saw himself. And what he says about us is true, not what we say about ourselves or what other people say about us. So, all right. I want to pray for you now. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. Uh, Spirit, speak about the stuff we're holding on to that we need to let go of. To fully follow after you, not half-heartedly, but with all our hearts. Thank you so much that faith, hope, and love are real. Abba, Father, bless. In Jesus' name, amen.